Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set for life. Uh, the part in 1 Samuel 18 and 10. Where it says, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. So Saul had the distressing spirit and he had the spear and he tried to kill David like for who knows how many times now, but it says he prophesied in the house. You see that right there? He prophesied in the house. What in the world? If he's trying to kill David, why is he prophesying? He prophesied in the house when he had an uh, evil spirit on him. And, and, you know, this kind of helps us understand a little more what's going to happen here later in 19 to get through this. What was going on? He, the distressing spirit was upon him and he prophesied in the house. Well, we know that Saul had prophesied with prophets before back in chapter 10, but apparently That was legitimate language that Saul used when he prophesied with those prophets at that time. And it was validated because the true prophets were around him. He prophesied among other prophets and they validated what you're saying is right. But in chapter 18, it says that Saul prophesied in the house. He's by himself. He's private. He's not out among others where they can confirm and validate. Yes, what you said is right. He's just doing it alone. That's probably in his private chambers where no prophets were going to be able to tell him if he was right. Apparently, Saul was prophesying. His prophesying was really crazy. It was crazy prophesying. It was a lot of blah, blah, blah speech that didn't mean anything. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, what he was saying was enough for people to pick up and go, something's wrong with him in there. And so that's why David went in to play the music. You notice it says he prophesied in the house, so David played his music. They could tell something's off about him. David played the music to calm him down. So you can see the order that what he was saying wasn't right. Uh, I think David heard Saul saying a bunch of nonsense. And so he knew to play his music to calm Saul back down. So what does it mean when it says Saul prophesied in the house? Apparently in Saul's madness, he was prophesying according to the evil spirit that was afflicting him. People have prophesied before and you probably hear them today, but they're speaking trash prophecy garbage prophecy according to the doctrine of demons and if you're a believer and you know your bible you know what they're saying is baloney and apparently david knew that what saul was saying was baloney so it prompted david to act for the benefit of saul's well-being and so now leading into chapter 19 saul is not only angry at david but he also can't stand the fact that the people love david more than they love him 
They love him a lot. David has killed his ten thousands and Saul only his thousands. And that ticked Saul off something fierce. David's on his way to taking the whole kingdom away from him, even though Samuel directly told him it was God's will for that to happen. It's like Saul just, like he's just forgot all about it. Saul is so hell-bent on his own agenda that he can't even remember what all the men of God has been trying to tell him. And so he is still in disobedience to the Lord while David is on his way to the throne. Saul can't stand him. He's trying to kill him. 1 Samuel 19 and 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Jonathan's trying to help David because remember they made a covenant with each other back in chapter 18. Jonathan had the integrity to uphold his end of it. I make a covenant with you, David. We're together. And this is his way of fulfilling that and his integrity. In fact, I believe that the covenant they made with each other was set up by God because it had now become this new layer of protection for David uh, from King Saul. Jonathan felt like he had to honor his end of the deal. And that's why he's sticking his neck out. You know, you could, you ever had people say, man, I'm just always caught in the middle. I got, you're dear to me. And this guy over here, you're dear to me. And y'all are at each other's throat. I just feel like I'm in the middle. Did Jonathan feel like he was in the middle? He got in the middle and he says, I made a covenant with you. What you're doing is right. What you're doing is wrong, dad. And he's jumping in to do something about it. He made a covenant. He's sticking his neck out for a friend. He's going to try to speak with Saul to reason with him to get him to reverse his stance. First Samuel 19 and four. Thus, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant. That took guts to say that to a king. Don't sin. (laughs) Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you. And because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced Why then will you sin against innocent innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Okay, everything's all right. Story's over. (laughs) You know, guys, it took Jonathan to break it through to Saul that David never wronged him. You ever see people get bent up about something and they're all, and you ask them, what are you really mad about? And when you really put them to it, they they can't put their finger on it. What did he ever do to you? (laughs) But in fact, David had risked his life to do not just Saul, but Israel a lot of good, starting with killing the Philistine, which was Goliath. Nobody dared step out in front of Goliath, but David did. It's like, man, you owe this guy. Why are you trying to kill him? I think the biggest hit that Jonathan delivered to Saul was in the statement, you sin 
against innocent blood without cause. Man, that was gutsy. I'm certain not just anybody could dare talk to Saul like that, except for maybe his son. And I, I think Jonathan could have been threatened with death before. Saul threatened his sons before on things, but I mean, that took a bold move. You see what happens when God activates believers together? They get bold. You know, I don't have to go to church to be saved. Okay, you're missing a huge boldness activation point that you could be using if you would get in bond in a bond with other believers. It's really healthy. So thank y'all for being here. All right, scored points today. Um, so you can see how the Lord used the only guy that could ever talk to the king of Israel like this and positioned him to say what Saul had to hear. He said, David never do this, did anything to you. He used Jonathan to drive the point in to where Saul would hear it. And so Saul withdrew his instructions to kill David, which allowed David to return back into his presence again. But when Saul vowed that David would not be killed, you know, it's hard to trust Saul <laughs> because of the way he's been in the past. Saul will say, I'm going to do something and then not do it. And not only would he not do it, but he would turn and do the opposite of what he said. He has what's called a track record. And when you develop a track record in front of people, especially an untrustworthy track record, it's hard to repair it. It's hard to trust him. Uh, Saul never kept his word. I just don't trust Saul because he's got a history running here. But let's see. Let's let the story tell it. First Samuel 19 and 8. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. And they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Okay, this is the third time that Saul has tried, tried to do this. He's tried to kill David. And, and what gets me even more about this is that Saul tried to kill David after he won yet another victory against the Philistines. David won. I mean, this is for Israel. This is for king and country. He won. Saul should be welcoming David back going, dude good job. I need more like you. And he's trying to kill the one guy that's bringing them victory. Crazy. Now, why do you think that the timing of the Philistine victory prompted Saul to try to kill him again? Why? As we read before, the people loved David and they cheered for him whenever he returned from victory and Saul can't stand it. Saul wants that. Saul wants to go in and out, and people go, yay, Saul, our guy. David's getting that, and it drives Saul loony. He's so jealous of David. He wants the credit that David is getting. And Saul broke his promise. Remember, he said, as surely as the Lord lives. Uh-huh, yeah, right. You sound so spiritual today. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. And he broke the promise that he felt he just had to just try to pin him against the wall again. And what's bad about this is that he invoked the Lord to try to get people to believe him. As sure as the Lord lives, oh, we better listen to that. He really means something. You ever have people do that? 
they talk big and godly and they say all this Christianese to try to get you to listen to them. And then it's just a bunch of fluff and puff. It's not, it's not good. Saul was trying to swear by God on a promise. But I want us to take particular notice of this distressing spirit that was driving Saul mad. It literally says that God sent it. Can you imagine the thought of God sending evil spirits to go afflict people? All right, evil spirits, jump on that guy and afflict him. Why? What is going on here? Verse 9 says, the distressing spirit from who? From Satan? Anybody, if you see if it says from Satan, please let me know because I don't see that. Who does it say it's from? It says it's from the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. Is this the God that most America knows about? Oh, my God would never do that. Well, you better read the Bible because you made a God up. From the Lord. To most people, this does not sound fair. Why would God do this? We have got to consider all the sins all the disobedience, all the damage, all the people that got killed from what Saul had committed in past chapters. Saul is a mess and he's causing damage. And this distressing spirit was sent by God for two reasons. You could probably dig up 50, but I've got two reasons I want to talk about why God would do such a thing. Number one, to execute judgment upon Saul for the sins he's been committing. Did you know that when you sin willfully, well, I can do what I want to. It's my life. Okay, do what you want, but find out what it gets you. You can be sent an afflicting, distressing spirit by God. Now, God wouldn't do that. I just read it to you. He does. Are you afflicted? Are you distressed? Well, is there a sin in your life that you have not asked forgiveness for, that you've not repented of and stopped doing? Maybe you ought to cut it out. This afflicting spirit was to execute judgment upon Saul. And two, to serve as consequences of sin. Consequences. Sin has a consequence every time. And this was also, this consequence was to drive Saul from the throne of Israel, just as God told him would happen. Now, I always say this, you can choose your sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come with it. That's the bummer about the whole thing. Otherwise, people would just send their tail off and never think nothing of it. But you sin, it hurts. And that hurt is going to come in different ways. You don't get to choose that part. And that's what's happening with Saul. God chooses that for us, the consequences. And all of this is happening for the Lord's purpose, to bring about the outcome that the Lord wants. And the Lord has already stated that David would become king of Israel. King Saul is proud, and this distressing spirit is being used to oppose Saul. Do you see Saul being opposed here? I do. You can't do whatever you want. I do whatever I want. No, you can't. When that opposition from God comes, it's going to make you think twice. So make no mistake about it. Saul's madness is being driven by the spirit that the Lord put on him as judgment for his sin, but also to steer Saul away from the throne for David to replace him. It's God's will for David to become king. Something's got to drive Saul away. It started with his own sin and the distressing spirit is helping that to get him out of there. 
and, and for anybody who still says that's not fair, you need to understand what your sin does, the damage. Well, it's my life. I'm doing it just on me. No, your sin gets off on everybody else. It, it, it spreads. And God has the full right to exercise his supreme authority and his power to accomplish his will, his way. God, you can't do that. Yes, he can. We are nothing to tell God what he can and cannot do. So before you have a knee-jerk reaction and say, that's not fair, look at the bigger picture at hand. Don't just get locked on Saul in the spirit. There's a lot more going on. David, the guy who's got the prophecy all wrapped up in him where the Messiah would come, has got to get to the throne. And the Lord said, Saul, you're going to be on your way out. Saul's rejecting it. Doesn't matter. You're on your way out anyway, Saul. So now 1 Samuel 19, 11. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) What's going on? Uh, First of all, who is Saul to say, why did you deceive me? (laughs) The master deceiver is questioning other people. Good gracious. So Saul basically hired hitmen. He hired hitmen to kill David in his house at night. I mean, to me, this kind of sounds like one of those mafia movies, you know. We're going to go hit him at night while he's in bed, you know. But Michael found out about it. You know, God has a way of leaking things like that out to the right people. Michael found out about it before Saul could do anything. I mean, look at how Saul's own children, Jonathan, now Michael, even Saul's own kids, Saul's own children are working to save David from their own father. So she sends David away, and the text says that she put an image in the bed. This image here was probably a false god that had the shape of a human being. I mean, you think, you've seen them spy movies where the, you know, James Bond puts pillows in the bed and he makes it look like he's asleep. So the guy comes in there and puts a bunch of bullets in it and James Bond's behind the door. Oh, you missed, you know. That's kind of what I see here is that she put an image in the bed and put clothes around it and put hair around it so that Saul's assassins would think that David was sick in bed when he was not even home. Now, there's a lot of debate I found on why would there be an image of like a false God image in David's home. But I don't see the text say that Michael got this image from their house. David was too devout to let such an image be like this in his house. So it leads me to believe that Michael probably went out and took an image from somebody else that had one so she could use it to help David escape. It's like, I know the neighbor over there's got one. I'm going to go take theirs. And she went and got it. I mean, that's just kind of reading between the lines. When Saul got mad at Michael for lying to him, she tried to protect herself 
because Saul was probably ready to kill her. She protected herself by claiming that David threatened to kill her if she did not set up this image. Did you see that? She goes, let me go. Why should I kill you? And she goes, David was going to kill me if I didn't do it. So she's trying to get off the hook. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of lying going on in the, in the story. I guess in Michael's mind, since Saul is already trying to kill David, then claiming that David threatened to kill her, it would put him in no worse a situation than he's already in. So Michael deceived Saul twice in order to protect both David and herself. I don't think this story condones lying. I'm not trying to go that way with it exactly, but right or wrong, that's the decision that Michael chose to use at the moment. That's what she chose to do. But what's even worse is how Saul is being here. Ruthless and cowardly. Saul hears that David is sick in bed and he wants to take advantage of David's sickness to murder him. Who would murder somebody who's too sick to get out of bed? I mean, that's about as low as it gets in cowardice, if you ask me. Uh, do you remember what was the kind of king that Israel originally wanted? Remember when they, they wanted to pick Saul and Samuel said, no, you don't want to do this. What was the, the, what was the specifics that Israel wanted? They said, we want a brave and courageous king that would lead them in our battles. That would lead us our battles for us. Brave, courageous king that marches out. I'm going to, and look, hey, bring him to me in the bed so I can kill him while he's sick. I mean, this is absolutely not the guy that they wanted. He is not that it at all. They have a ruthless coward. He wants to kill sick people in bed. Whatever happened to Saul, the warrior king of Israel? Because remember, up front, he had some victories. What happened? Well, he got into what's called iniquity, my way, doing it my way. And when you try to do things your way, it's not God's way. The warrior king of Israel is David. David has the anointing. 1 Samuel 19, 18. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. Now it was told Saul saying, take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. <laughs> and then Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. <sighs> Guys, the Lord has really turned the heat up against Saul, hasn't he? Did the Lord not already tell Saul, through Samuel, if you remember back in chapter 15, he said, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul doesn't seem to remember that the Lord told him, you're out of here. Samuel was the only guy on earth that had the guts to face off against Saul. And he told him, you lost it. It's gone. But now Saul, he's so emboldened from ignorance that he's sending wave after wave of men this group go get him, that group go get him, that group go get him. And every time the Lord hit them and they prophesied, <laughs> rendered useless, they were zapped by the Spirit of God. You know, David, we have to consider, David is God's chosen man. Prophecy is wrapped up in David and Satan is trying to kill off David to kill off 
prophecy. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.